Luke chapter 10 is the story of the Samaritan. And at these AGMs, I, I like to hover around the um, story of the Good Samaritan. As we give thanks to God for what he's doing among us, what he's uh, still doing, and uh, what we believe he still has to do. Um, it's remarkable to me, actually, what he's already done. Uh, if, if seven or eight years ago you had told me we would be standing here doing this, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed I would be doing it, and I wouldn't have believed we would be here. I wouldn't believe we would be in this building. I wouldn't believe uh, that we would have the team we have here. I wouldn't believe a lot of stuff. So God is faithful, and when you know we, we live in the midst of it, we sometimes forget just what he does and how he does things. Um, and I want to look at our foundation words on Jericho Road, but before I do that, I want to sort of set the ground with that Road to, to uh, that road to Jericho is a road that travels between Jerusalem and uh, and Jericho. It goes down through cliffs and it's got some broad places and got some narrow places, and it was the main thoroughfare from Jerusalem down to Jericho and beyond. It's a pretty rugged terrain, and Jer- Jerusalem symbolizes uh, Jesus on the cross, Jesus uh, going to the cross, Jesus' resurrection. And uh, along that road is where a lot of travelers doing their business and also um, having trouble. And so Jericho Road is a symbol, for me it's been a symbol of woundedness. Of I remember at my, uh, when, I, when I was in my worst time, I felt like the guy at the side of Jericho, the Jericho Road. And, and people passed by and I, I sort of vowed many years ago that if I ever got back to a church, it would be a place where wounded people could find a home. And that nothing would be shocking. And that anybody who's broken could find a place there in order to be healed, not just to be sort of sitting there sponging for the rest of their lives, but to be set free. <laughs> just wanted to clear that up, you know. It's a, uh, there are a lot of churches you can belong to that nothing ever happens. They just give you food and sandwiches and feel sorry for you. And that is pathetic. That's not Jesus. That's just pity and it's useless, Right? We've been actually called to set people free because Jesus sets us free. And so we're actually on a mission to enable Jesus to declare and show how powerful he is and how present he is and how much he loves and cares. And so Jesus was uh, being asked by the crowd, as often was the case, because this wonderful picture of, of, uh, of God is when Jesus walks among his people. How many of you got up at four o'clock to watch the hockey today? One person, two people, three people, four people. Just occurred to me, and why on earth did you do that? I mean, because you were excited? Because you care? Because it's Canada? Right? Watch the best players in the world? Cool. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. My prayer is, is, is that that same kind of expectancy and excitement would be present when we gather. What will Jesus do? How will he score today? How will he actually meet with us and what, what, how powerful is he and what can he do? And that's what we're aiming for. And Jesus was with the crowd because the crowd were always fascinated by him. They were fascinated by what he might do. They were fascinated by his teaching. They were fascinated by his personality. They were fa- fascinated that he wasn't shy to actually challenge. And there was a man who was, a, he's called a man of the law. He, he, he. He valued the law, the Ten Commandments and the law of Israel, the law that they had been handed down to them through the, the centuries. 
And they were continually, these people were, were, were testing Jesus, saying, you know, I want to see if you're real. I want to see if you're kosher, I suppose. And, and they always had a predetermined answer, I think. And so what does he say? He's uh, speaking to Jesus and he says this. He says, what must I do to, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what is written in the law? And he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And when you read this as a Bible study, this is not Jesus saying what we have to do today. I know that's going to sound strange to you, but he's actually having a conversation with somebody who's still in the law. And he's asking for a response that they give trapped in their law. So he says, You've got to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Now go and do this, and you will live. You'll notice that Jesus very often doesn't say, I'm really glad you believe that. He says, go and do it. Go and apply it. And maybe under his breath said, good luck. You see, if you quote that scripture, that's not the scripture for the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul is a good idea, and, and love one another as yourself. But Jesus actually said, a new law I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And that's what he came to demonstrate, and that's what he came to free, because he said, you cannot actually keep that law. That law has been broken so many times, you need a savior. You need somebody to come in and help you from a different place to keep a law of love. And so the man, because you see, when you relate to people through law, and when you relate to God through law, and when you relate to life through law, it becomes everything's about what are you doing or what are you not doing. And if you're not doing that, you have discussions. I'm increasingly getting tired of having discussions with people on just dogma or doctrine or your belief systems, because they usually mask other things. They're important. Beliefs are important, but they've become too important at times. And so the, this man was, because he was getting the answer of you go and do it, what happens? Well, as soon as you tell me to do something, I want some wiggle room. So he says to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Because if I've got to obey this law, I want to know what I exactly have to do or what I don't have to do. And I, I, I want some room for maneuvering. Because law is very difficult to live under. And if your perception of God is one who just makes laws for you, you're not going to have a fun time with God. And you actually notice that further away people are from the heart of Jesus, the more legalistic they become. And you could be Pentecostal, you could be Baptist, you could be Anglican, you could be free church, you could be anything you like. It's really easy to cut and segment your belief system into legal things and then relate to the world through this is what I do and this is what you don't do and this is what I believe and this is what you don't believe and division happens so quickly. Most of the denominations in the world should not exist. They exist because of mankind and humankind's trivial uh, obsessions with things that are sad. But there's a deep, deep-rooted sinfulness in human beings that want to be God, want to be in control, and that manifests in churches just as much as anywhere else. Would you agree? You might have experienced that. You might have experienced that in your own heart. And so against that sort of legal opposition that Jesus is facing and that legal, legalism and legalistic mindset of, the, of, of that man who was asking him the question, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And he says there's this man who's traveling down this road. And he gets set upon by thieves and robbers. And they beat him up and they steal everything and they leave him bleeding at the side of the road. 
And he's lying there and a priest comes by and he walks by on the other side because he's keeping the law and he can't touch that man. And then a Levi walks by and he also keeps the law so he can't touch that man. And so legally they were quite correct. And then Jesus says, well, I'll take the most outcast, the most despised person in, my, in, this, in this crowd is going to respond to. And I will actually uh, use him as my example. And he says, and then a Samaritan came who people said, oh, well, he doesn't even belong to the Jews. And he said, a Samaritan came by and he saw the man lying there and he got down on his knees and he bathed his wounds. And he picked him up and he put him on his donkey and he took him to a place where he could actually find help. And then he took out his wallet and he said, I'm going to pay two days wages for this man's, uh, to make sure he's cared for. And he said, and, w- and when I come back, I'll settle the rest of the account if there's more to do. He got his hands dirty. He got himself involved in that man's plight. And he gave himself financially and of his time and of his resources. And Jesus just says quite simply, so who was the good neighbor? And what is Jesus doing here? He's lifting the law into love. And he's saying, you can nickel and dime with legalism. But I have come to bring a new commandment, and that is, uh, the law is fulfilled as you love those who are hurting. The law is fulfilled as you lay down your life for people who are struggling. The law is fulfilled as you give of your resources, and you get your hands dirty, and you get involved in people's lives, even if you're going to get hurt. The law is fulfilled when you see others more than you see yourself. The law is fulfilled as you actually care for the broken and the wounded more than you just care about your own convenience. He totally shattered the old covenant in order to release a new covenant. We would not be here if he hadn't done so. To whom much is forgiven, much love will be released. The love that beats in your heart will be absolutely in proportion to the knowledge you have of the love of the Father for you right now. You will, you will know what the love of God is when you've been in the dirt and you've been broken and you've been actually without any resource other than I need somebody to help. If you haven't experienced that, you probably won't forgive as much. When you've understood that you have nothing that you can bring to the table and somebody has actually come to you and knelt down by you and said, I'm here for you. And in them saying that to you, you saw Jesus. And in them saying that to you and in them binding your wounds and them giving you some resources to help, Suddenly the love of God broke in on your life and you said, I have never experienced this before. Jesus is alive because somebody touched me. That's the kind of church Jericho Road wants to be. But it cannot be that without the people being touched like that. It's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful when I stop arguing with one another and we start serving each other. It's powerful when I don't need to be right. I just need to say, how can I serve you? It's powerful when I don't have to persuade you of every darn doctrine that you have to have in your small head and my small head. And we start saying, how can I be a friend? It's a rare thing in this world. It's powerful when we start actually entering into relationships that you cannot actually destroy because we're not going to let each other go. It's powerful when I decide I'm not going to judge you to death. And so the Good Samaritan story is a story of how Jesus came into this world and he came to the wounded and the broken. And there are lots of wounded broken who are not bleeding. They can be in uh, three-bit suits. They can be driving Mercedes-Benz. They could be looking really together. But before the heart of God, they are wounded and broken because everyone needs a Savior. 
And so out of that context, I would want to remind us of some of the characteristics of the community that we believe God is calling us to. The community we believe God is calling Jericho Road to be. Um, and when you build highways, when you build roads, you tend to have to go through places that haven't been taken before. Which means that sometimes when God is working in our lives, he's got to actually break through ground that's been covered in us. So there will be times in our journey together where we get offended. When we, get, when we, get, we struggle because God encountering us causes something to shift or to move or to be challenged. So the first, uh, the first five years, as I said, when we got this painting, it was of God's support, those hands that support us, those hands that are strong and big that say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I have you. We were a wounded church when we got those hands. We were a church that was very broken, very insecure about where we were going, very much lots of tales to tell about how we had been hurt, lots of tales to tell about how we had been mistreated, lots of tales to tell about what had gone wrong. And God assured us and said, I'm big enough for everything you can bring to me. And we have testimony after testimony of his faithfulness, haven't we? In those hands. How those hands have held us, how those hands have restored us, how those hands have protected us, and how those hands have led us in these last years. And so when I went to a conference last month and brought this one back, there's been quite a story with this picture. Um, I basically, uh, the woman was finishing painting it in California, and uh, it's the first time since I bought that one that my spirit stirred, and I said to Fred, who was sitting next to me, that's Jericho Road. And so I said, I'm going to go and ask her how much it's going to cost because I'm going to buy it. Because I know, I know what it feels like. I just go, it, it doesn't matter if it's $10,000, I buy it. Because I know when God's moving. And it was, a prophetic, it was a prophetic painting. It is a prophetic painting. And so there was a list and you had to write down. And I said to the, the artist, I just, who is uh, Teresa Deadman, some of you might have read the uh, book Treasure Hunt. Her husband is on the staff at Bethel. Anyway, I went up to her and, and said, so how much is it? And I said, you know, I want to buy it for a church called Jericho Road. And she said, oh, wow, that's interesting. So I started painting it when we were experiencing the glory of God around our church. And I couldn't finish it. And then as this conference came up, it seemed the Lord said, I need you to finish it because I need to give it to someone. And so I went up and I said, um, so I want to buy it. So I had to fill in a form and, and I said, well, what does it cost? She said, well, whatever you offer. And so I... I said, okay, $750. That one was 1200 And uh, I sort of waited and I knew she would give it. I, I was pretty sure we would get it, but I eventually got it. And then I came home and we put it on Fred's visa. And uh, I got an email, an email a few days later saying, um, uh, thank you for $1,700. So I said, whoops, Teresa, I think we're a little out to lunch here. Uh, and she, oh, she said, oh, me bad. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the, the money back. But she couldn't get the money back. But, you know. So eventually she sent a check, which arrived about Friday a week ago, gave it to Fred. Fred took it to the bank. She forgot to sign it. <laughs> so Teresa, so she takes a photograph, and he takes the photograph of his signature to the bank, and they say, no, we won't take it. So I said, Teresa, we've got problems. But that's fine. You know, be blessed. We'll work it out. And she writes back last week and says, I'm on holiday. But, I, but when I bought it, I said to her, I think you might have a prophetic word for us to go with the picture. And I shared with her the prophetic word of that picture. 
And uh, she didn't reply. She just sort of ignored it. Well, on Wednesday, I think, she wrote back and said, I think this is happening because I need to release a prophetic word over your church, and I'll do that on Monday, which is tomorrow, because I'm on holiday. So there's still more to come. But this is a, called the, it's called the highway to glory or the highway to heaven. And, the, you know, the, uh, the picture is about a future. They're little eagles that are actually flying in. And the, the, the thing is, it's about an open heaven. It's about God's presence. And it's about an, the stage that I think we're about, we are going into. And that is, we're no longer just wounded. We're now actually on the road and we're going to make an impact. We're going to, to, to chase after what God has for us. And we want us to be people who walk in our inheritance. So that picture, I believe, is a prophetic invitation to this church for the next five years. To come and see what I have for you and to make that journey. If some of you haven't uh, uh, contributed and would like to, you can put something in that pot there so we don't have to leave Fred high and dry with a debt. Um, I'm just saying that because I think actually when we all own it, it becomes more precious. So every little bit helps. So I've got something else to say, and that is, you know, we started off uh, with Jericho Road. I started off with Jericho Road as a name that came after a conference with Graham Cook when, uh, I don't know how many years ago. It's a long time ago. When was it, do you know? It's about eight years ago. And, and, I'm not going to go into that story other than that it felt like a little footpath. And I had no, there was no intention of coming here because there was already a church here. And, and so it's grown and it's become a road, Jericho Road. Well, I'm just sort of announcing to you that there's, there's new work going on on that Jericho Road. It's now a two-lane highway. I'm going to describe to you the two-lane highway very quickly. The two-lane highway is, we started with, I, when, I, when we first started, when, however many years ago, um, I get, we took the name Jericho and I just broke it down into sort of foundation thoughts. And Jesus is obviously the J. Jesus is, uh, you thought it was Jean-Francois, did you, Jean-Francois? No, sorry. Jesus is J. Uh, and, and both highways, our double-lane highway, both have J at the beginning, a center. He is the focus of everything. Jesus is the place where we know God's presence. Jesus is the one who took our sin. Jesus is the one who makes God real. Jesus is the one who reveals him as a father. Jesus is the one who releases power to heal the sick. Jesus is everything. Jesus has to be right at the center, right at the front, right at the bottom, right at the top of everything. It always has to come back to where is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus saying? And so he's like headlines on that highway. All the lanes, Jay. He's a person. He's relational. And without him, we can do nothing. I was reading a book this week. It is, I'm going to give it to David because I, I just, you know, if you're tick, not, I'm ticked off with David. I'm not t- I just want to say, read this one, see what you like. It's called Liturgy and Sacrament or something. It is terrible. Uh, but I read it because I was talking on the phone to somebody who said this is a powerful book when I was saying we're a contemporary church. And it's just all about how to, all the things you have to do to worship God liturgically, which means in prescripted forms. And it takes me back to my dysfunctional childhood. And, and the, There's some things that are good, but the whole thrust of it is that somehow we have to organize everything to be acceptable to God in our worship. 
And it just leaves me cold. I can, if I talk about it, I can feel it. It's just, it's like, it's like a headmaster telling you how to behave. And it's stifling. I do think we need parameters. I do think we need guidelines. But there's a difference. And so Jesus is the one who makes God personal. Jesus is kind. Jesus is good. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is our hope. He's our friend. And so the, the most important foundation of Jericho Road is personal relationships with Jesus that we can actually bear witness to. That's why we have testimonies. And that when in our conversations we keep calling each other back to where is Jesus here? What does he want to say? How is he? Okay, we get a bit moving here because we've got a big meeting. And so Jesus is the one who, the, who called the disciples. He said, follow me. It's a personal relationship, all right? You got the message. The second one, E, and don't worry, I'm not going to go this slow. Is, I said embedded, which meant that Jericho Road was in the world but not of the world. We want to relate to the world. We wanted to be in the world, in the community, but we didn't want to be of it. In other words, we wanted to be not somebody, a group cloistered away somewhere, being holy and religious. We want to be engaged. We want to be salt and light. But they, the new highway, I think, is not just that. It's also about in offering an encounter and experience with the living God. We want to offer encounters and experience with the living God. That's why so many times up here we will say, let's pray. Let's actually come up to the front and say, Jesus, please touch my heart. Please touch my mind. I need your transforming work in me. So we want experiential, empowering presence of Jesus. We're learning that. We're not very good at it yet, but we know what we need. We just don't know how ways to get there. So we graciously are working together to say, Lord, how can we cultivate a culture where you can surprise us, you can meet us, you can touch us? Where you're not just speaking to our heads, but you're speaking to our hearts and releasing our hearts so that we actually are transformed. Do you need to be transformed? A few of you. The rest of you, you do. But we want encounters with God. Not just, it is absolutely useless if you walk out of this building and say, well, that was a nice service. Or John spoke all right. He only went on for 40 minutes. It is absolutely useless if all you go away with is a critique. So I encourage us to say, come and go with, what are you saying to me, Jesus? What are you, what are you saying to me today? For those who are a little depressed and negative, they'll always think he's out to get you. For those of us who are getting healed, he's just wanting to release good stuff. And sometimes to release good stuff, he's just got to get rid of some of the bad stuff. And he doesn't miss a thing, by the way. So encounter and experience is the new highway alongside embedded. The R of Jericho is, is real relationships. It's this whole question of interpersonal relationships. I'm very, 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 very passionate about this. That if you want to grow in Jericho Road, you've got to enter into relationships with people. I will not tolerate people sending me notes from a distance telling me what they think. I say, come and talk. Well, you're intimidating. Well, suck it up and learn because you can get beyond that. Because you're not intimidated in other areas of your life, so don't use it when it suits you. We are here to help one another, not intimidate one another. And so there's a point where we have to break through fear, but relationship is hugely important. It's about entering into things and saying, people need you and they need, and you need them. 
And many of the spiritual values and spiritual things God will teach you are not through just Bible study and worship. They're actually through how you live with one another. You'll notice Jesus went up to people and said, well, what do you think? What do you think is the greatest law? He engaged people. And we need to engage and engage and engage and engage because that's how you grow. It also reveals the attitudes. And very quickly it, it reveals attitudes. If I'm stubborn or I don't want to change in some area, I'll avoid you because I know you're going to ask me. Whereas a reply is just, I'm still struggling with this. Okay, let me know when you finish. I don't have to beat you up. I'll just say, give me a call when you finish. Have a nice life for now. But I want you to know the doors are open. You're never rejected. It's just that I, you know, I don't have the mandate to pretend that what Jesus says doesn't apply. So that's why sometimes we just need to go through life until we say enough. I had to do that. Makes sense? Relationship is huge because relationship is also about I'm, I'm here for you even when it's a struggle. I'm here for you even when uh, things are not going well. I'm here for you to help supply your need. I'm here for you so that you know that if you're part of Jericho Road, you'll never be hungry. You'll never not have a, a bed to sleep in. You'll never be abandoned. That was huge value for me because I know what that feels like. And I don't wish it on anyone. So we're a place where relationship is important, where we'll come out and we'll meet people long before they deserve anything. Just like on that Jericho Road. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to, to go for. And it's important. The New Highway talks really complements that and is talking about how we've come to believe in restoration as our mission. It's talking with Dave and Lefty. We're going to have a leaders meeting next month and we want a mission statement which we're sort of revamping and the revamped suggestion is restoration is our mission. Restoration. Bringing people to the Lord, bringing brokenness into wholeness. We can spend a lot of time talking about that word, but that word captures a lot of things that are part of our vision. The restoration of lost and broken people to the love of God. I think that's cool. And doing whatever it takes for that to be facilitated. The I is just, um, we, we said in, in the first uh, highway it was involvement. It was getting your hands dirty. It was getting into life with people. We still believe that. The new highway, I think, is about identity and our understanding that God's life actually works from the inside out. It's as Jesus works in us, he works through us. So our identity as sons and daughters is massive. Who are you as a son or daughter of the king? Not just what you believe, who are you? And we talk a lot about that and how God actually is releasing us. The way that you live in this world on that Jericho Road is by faith. And faith is declaring what you don't yet see out of your identity and out of your inheritance. So you speak words that haven't yet come to pass. You begin to say, this is who I am when I don't feel it. And then God begins to release it. And if things get in the way, like as it, God has his timing. We talked about that earlier. God has a timing for things. It's taken 16 years to come to the place where we kneel and say, forgive us, let go of the Anglican church. Could have probably been sooner, but it's better late than never. And as, as things come up, God will bring things up as we can handle them, as we can actually do something with them. Amen. So this, uh, this uh, highway is about inheritance and identity. 
We talked about communication in the sea of Jericho, communication with God and with one another. I've touched on that in relationship, which is say what you think, think about what you're saying, and talk to one another. It's hugely important. Mind reading doesn't work. When they were going to settle in the promised land, the mind readers never settled there. They said, they, we, we see them as they look like giants, we look like grasshoppers, we're not going in. There were two possibilities. The ones that went to the same place, they said, they look like giants, I look like a grasshopper, we're not going in. Caleb, and we've got a baby Caleb that maybe is prophetic as well, goes in a man of a different spirit and he says, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. And God will protect us. He has promised us, so let's go on that basis. Let's go on the basis of his promise, not what we see. Amen. And Caleb and his friends went in 40 years later. So what you believe and what you don't believe, what you declare and what you don't declare makes a huge difference about how you live. But that other highway with communication is, is about a covenant community. And a covenant community is one that starts saying, I, I came across something that somebody said the other day which said, it's not, I'm not looking for something to believe. I'm looking for someone to walk with. And I think too much ministry in church has been done as a function. I'm the pastor. You're this. You're that. And I think what God is calling us is to is covenant relationships, which is, I'm going to walk with you till you die. We're going to actually track this road until we die. And along the Jericho Road, there will be graves. Oh, that's where John was. He was used to walk this road with us. There will be memory stones. This is good, not bad. Where, where, where we will be able to trace our history because of the covenants we've had with people. Which says, I don't care what happens. We're going to actually covenant to make this work. It's very different. From institutional religion that just says, I'm dropping you in here for five years and then here for five years and there for five years. I'm going to pop into your service and then I'm going to pop into that service. I'm not going to submit to anything. There's a huge, huge call of God, upon, I believe, upon his people to be covenant relationship. Which just means you, you get into a church and you dig into that church and come hell or high water, you're going to serve in that church. Not because you're demanded to, but it's the only way you're going to grow up. Do you understand? Does that make sense? Yes. And sometimes it's really cool to have a covenant and other times it's a pain. It's just life. It's just life. All right, Holy Spirit is obviously the one that we've talked about as a foundation. We want to see God's Spirit working in here and I'm not going to go... I think you know what I'm talking about. We need supernatural. But the, the other highway right now that I believe God is continually pressing on us on is I want to demonstrate healing supernaturally. There are a lot of people tracking around the world right now who just want the, the supernatural healing without covenant relationship. I just want the fun. I want the power. I want the pizzazz. But I don't believe actually God will give that to us with any integrity unless we have the covenant relationship and all the other components I've already mentioned. But we do want to be supernatural. We want to say, Father... Will you touch people's lives? Will you actually release your spirit so that we, week by week, see people set free? And we say, it's only Jesus because I can't do it. And guess what? That gets some scary times, but it's also the way, that's the place where life is. And the O of Jericho, the new highway, the old highway was just being outward looking and open. The new highway, I believe, is the open heaven, which is God's invitation out of that picture, which just says, uh, there is so much more than you can ask or imagine that Jesus released when he was resurrected and he poured out his spirit. 
their resources that's called our inheritance to live on earth as in heaven. That prayer up there, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, is not just a liturgical statement. It's a declaration. How do I actually become somebody who releases resources and says this is just what God does? Does it make sense? Double highway. We'll probably have another lane next year. So the new highway, quickly. Jesus at the beginning encounters an experience of him along the way. Restoration is our mission. Identities as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. A covenant community that are bonded together. A supernatural healing as part of the fruit of God's Spirit among us. And an open heaven where we, we know that God is generous and kind and He is always willing to do more than we can ask or imagine. In our tagline for this restoration uh, as our mission statement, our vision, we said, was becoming family, encountering God and impacting the world. We felt that becoming family was a place of you can belong to this family before you encounter God, not as a condition. Because we pray that as you encounter family, so you will actually come to know God. And then through that, we make an impact in the world. 